Welcome to On the Path, where we will explore all things which are related. And today we begin the second season of the Netflix series, A Grain of Truth. And Lucy, we are finally here. The premiere is here. All episodes are out. I know. I was going to say, it feels like it's been such a long time coming. And I'm like so excited that it's finally out. I can't believe it. It did just kind of sneak up where you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And then all of a sudden, hey, it's been released. And then Mm -hmm. I've seen all eight episodes now and i believe you've seen two right yeah i'm so annoyed at myself for being behind so i've only seen the first two and then i've sort of blocked out tomorrow morning to binge the last uh six see i'm annoyed that it's over and i know that's the thing yeah (laughs) i kind of envy you that you actually get to experience (laughs) those last episodes yeah i'll probably just sit messaging you all all through watching them all but uh yeah i do kind of wish they would release them weekly but it's just a netflix thing i guess isn't it yeah, it would be, especially with what comes up, and we'll lead into this. There will be no spoilers for future episodes. We'll really just keep this about episode one. We're not going to yeah. do a scene-by-scene rundown, but kind of pick just major points of discussion, especially, you know, this should be released the day of. So assuming that everyone has recently seen it, we don't really need to recap it too much. Yeah. And if you're listening to this from, I don't know, a year or two in the future, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> l- look, up, <laughs> look that up, I guess. One little warning is there is mention of sexual assaults that's not shown or anything but again if for some reason you haven't seen the episode or you didn't hear that mentioned uh that's going to get brought up so just kind of a little warning on that aspect this episode was written by Declan Debara who is the showrunner for Blood Origin and that little teaser trailer came out today did you watch it yeah I watched well I think I saw a really short one um it was literally just a title screen so I don't know if I've missed a longer one um, but did they give like a release date or anything? No, but there was like a 50 second clip that I saw. Ah, okay. I must've missed that one. Yeah. It basically just showed a bunch of people fighting at different times and mm. different looking things. There was really nothing given about who anybody was or right. like what was going on. You can see some elves and non-humans kind of like together. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, when do you think that's going to come out? It depends. I guess if they're going to do another two years before uh witcher season three maybe they might release it next december to sort of bridge that gap a little bit so i think covid is what made it two years wasn't it i think they're trying to go for but see i don't know if they can because yeah they haven't i I just assume this for the summer maybe Mm. because maybe it's been done shooting i know they're done shooting and now they have this teaser trailer so obviously Mm. now is the crazy post-production that they all do and so I can definitely see this coming out in the summer, maybe at the same time when Nightmare of the Wolf came out. Was that August? Yeah, I believe? yeah, that's right, actually. Yeah. And then you think season three of The Witcher out next year. Yeah, if they can, I mean, if they can get this on a yearly release at Christmas, I would like that. Would that be so good. But yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Like, and we will we'll discuss this a little bit more when we talk about specifics and maybe some later. But this season definitely especially this episode, seemed to take a massive jump up in production value and execution. What do you think? Yeah, insane. Like, when I first watched it, like, I was, like, shook from the very beginning when you first seen um, Nivellen or Nivellen, as they say it. Yeah. um, To just, like, the whole vast, like, array of different uh, effects and different visuals and stuff it was just like and the sound is what made a massive difference to me as well like the different sound effects i thought were amazing and we'll get into that more when we speak about verena in particular um but yeah just massive 
Well, we can get we can get right into it. So, hey, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I had down was kind of the Verena and Nevelyn changes or uh, Nevelyn. Right? See, I'm saying Nevelyn. I was always Nevelyn, but they said yeah, Nevelyn. Yeah, I say Nevelyn. Yeah. yeah, I've already picked up on Nevelyn. Okay, now I'm second guessing myself. Nevelyn is what they said. <laughs> Nevelyn is what everybody else said before. I kind of like Nevelyn though. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it sounded um, it sounded nice the way they said it, but uh, I'm so used to saying Nevelyn. Yeah, and so what I had down was their changes, but first off. Verena was just creepy as hell, like just completely unnerving and unsettling. Is that the same for you? Yeah, honestly, whenever she first crawls out of the wall, it was, huh. I, I think I like, like audibly gasped. Yeah. I found it so, so unsettling. Um, and just the way she moves and the clicky noises that she makes and her eyes. I remember seeing the actress Agnes Bjorn um, on that which a premiere that we talked yeah. about. And uh, I remember her saying um, that she was really pleased that she could come on the premiere and dress really nicely and look nice because she was going to look very different in the show. And then she thought people were going to be freaked out by her in the show. And I know I fully understand what she meant. They had to enlarge her eyes, right? Her eyes aren't really that big compared to her head, are they? Maybe not, yeah. Because they were like abnormally... I don't want to say that now in case they didn't. Because they didn't make them bigger. But yeah, they looked like uh, sh like creepy. The clicking, like you said, and they definitely sped up her movements, you know, like mm. frames per second or whatever it is. I don't know the technical term. But yeah, when she's on the bed talking with Siri, just that herky-jerky motion and the, the clicking in the eyes. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't normally get, I don't really get freaked out by jump scares or anything. But like yeah. you mentioned, when she crawled out of the wall like a mm -hmm. spider, have you seen the movie The Ring or The Exorcist? I've seen The Ring, yeah. She was very like the girl who comes out of yeah. the TV. Yeah, and The Exorcist, the movie from the 70s, very much the turn the head completely around without moving yeah. the body. And the horror aspects that they hit on there, that got me really excited because there mm -hmm. are elements of that you could really do with The Witcher. And for them to just, I mean, knock it out of the park, and we'll talk about it at the end, what we thought of the episode, but it's going to be very clear. Like, I thought this was the best episode by a mile that has come up uh, compared to season one. Like, this yeah. seems completely on a whole other level in execution storytelling, special effects, and Verena the Brooks uh, from the short story just was absolutely 10 out of 10. Yeah, she was just spot on. Like, whenever I... Obviously, I had an image of what a Bruxer looked like from the games yeah. already. But when I read The Grain of Truth, that is, she's just exactly what I imagined her to be like. And I think they did a perfect job with her. The open mouth with two rows of like, hundred teeth or something like that. And her just screaming that sound. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it was just dead, just dead on spot on there. So, uh, But when mm -hmm. I mentioned the Verena and Nevelyn changes, I'll kind of go down real quick. Exactly what it is. So in the books, Nevelyn and Geralt don't know each other. Geralt stumbles across there by himself, by the way. Ciri's not there. Or I should say he's with yeah. Roach. But they don't know each other. And Nevelyn kind of tells him the story, uh, how he usually would invite women into his home, usually wealthy women. It's not just random women that come in there. And he showers them with gifts in order to try to break this curse. He's not bad to them. He's not mean to them. If they want to sleep with him, he does not force them. They do that of their own accord. Uh, after discussing and eating and all that, he tells Geralt to end him should he become more beast than man, which is what he's starting to feel like. And Geralt agrees. And he says, okay, I'll leave. But he doesn't really leave. He kind of hangs around and then confronts Verena, 
the Bruxa in this courtyard, and they fight. And again, outside of Siri being there, that is all pretty much spot on, especially Verena pulling herself along this pole that Nevelyn yeah, impaled I her on. That bit. Yeah, and saying mine or nobody's, something along those. And he she goes to kill Nevelyn and Geralt kills her. And so that's pretty much where the similarities end. And this is what I really wanted to talk about was the differences in how it ends. Because as you know, okay. in the books, everything's just kind of, oh, hunky-dory there, where Nevelyn's curse gets lifted and Geralt tries to answer his questions and like everything's okay. Even yeah. though the story remains the same, that Nevelyn, Nevelyn, God, that's going to throw me off now. <laughs> I, I got to just stick with one and just say it. Whatever I say, I say it differently. But Nevelyn <laughs> and this group of bandits, if you will, raided this temple of the lion-headed spider, and they raped a priestess who then, mm -hmm. before killing herself, curses Nevelyn. And it doesn't seem to be that big of a thing in the books, but in the show, once he says that, Siri and Geralt are just like, all right, all right, boss, like we're out of here. And yeah. what did you think of that? I kind of think um, the presence of Siri in that whole situation is maybe what makes it a lot more serious. Like, obviously, this um, Nivellen has invited Siri and Geralt into their home, and he's, you know, helped, you know, Siri get bathed and given her clothes to wear and stuff. And she seemed like she felt really comfortable around him, and she comforted him when he was feeling guilty obviously he hadn't at that point told her the full story um so i think when he reveals that at the end to them you can see like visibly in her face that she's shocked and she probably feels super uncomfortable that she's been in that situation so i think that that's the main difference for me like siri being there i don't know if Geralt was there by himself would he have been able to just turn a bit more of a blind eye not completely but I think Siri's presence made it a bit more uncomfortable. Yeah, and I was on the record saying I did not think they were going to put that in yeah. the show. I I really just didn't think they would do it as it really wasn't necessary to anything. But by them including it and then changing the ending, I'm like, oh, okay. And I didn't know if that was potentially maybe a commentary just on if, you know, is maybe they might think that rape is like an unforgivable sin like mm. you don't forgive somebody who does that but you can forgive other bad things i don't know if that's what it is that just kind of stuck up to maybe what it is but yeah just it's i, I was shocked that it ended yeah. that way but to me it's a much more fitting ending because i didn't I, like yeah. that ending in a grain of truth i liked it much better here i think the changes they made to the story made it better i agree i think the ending was um much more like I understood the ending more because I, I I know what you mean by the story ending in the book. I was sort of like, yeah, he's still a shithead though. Yeah. <laughs> but I think whenever we were speaking about um, it before and we thought they weren't going to include that part in the story, it was because in the trailers that we had saw, it was advertising him as this super likable, fun yeah. character. And I just thought there's no way they're going to reveal this. But then... At the end, it's sort of hitting on, you know, has he been a monster all along, even when he was a human, because he does monstrous acts. I, I totally understand why they changed it. I think it was perfect. I was a little skeptical of Christoph Hoivu being casted as that. I thought it might have been seen as a little bit of stunt casting. Yeah. But he was incredible. And especially once he got out of that beast makeup, once he the curse was lifted and he was there, he was, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm telling you, it 
as far as one-off characters, it's by a mile, just really getting that little mix. Because like you said, oh, it's a shithead. He just said he did all that stuff. But he was so good in that agony for having to yeah. kill Verena and then the curse being lifted when he's going like, no, no, this is wrong. And it's mm -hmm. just almost because he then says, like, kill me. And yeah. it's almost like his curse being lifted, but he's got a new curse almost of guilt. And he, yeah. he was just absolutely incredible there. Oh, he was so good. Like, cause he had me like, he had me feeling sorry for him. Like yeah. I was heartbroken for him. And then obviously he reveals the truth. And at that point you then dislike him. But at the same time, when he's crying to Geralt to kill him, I do still feel awful for him because he's then got to live with that guilt. But then I remember, I think it was Henry Cavill did an interview and he was talking about Christopher Hivju. Um, and he said that his performance was like almost Shakespearean as if you were like watching a play and I totally got that vibe, like his end monologue, I just thought was incredible. Yeah, no, it was, th this is the stuff that I want to see from the show, is not mm. adapting verbatim exactly what happens, but putting their own spin on things and doing their little bit of changes to keep people on their toes. And this it was just, I just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, 100% agree. Okay, so what is your first thing? So my first thing to talk about was the very beginning of the episode where we see the aftermath of the Battle of Sodden. And I was kind of really happy that it picked up exactly where the end of series one um, finished because you get to see what Yennefer did. Because I think at the end of series one, you obviously see Yennefer burning everything, but you don't actually see the aftermath of it. Like the episode opens with Tissaia wandering around um, the basically just like field of corpses and I love the shots that they do of her um putting her hand on the dead soldiers and she gets like their their point of view from when like a few seconds before they died she's looking for Yennefer but I thought that was so cool like such a cool way of telling the story of seeing what had happened the night before um, I'm surprised no one's done that before because as I'm seeing it I'm like oh this is awesome it's, it's so cool, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's like a little bit of necromancy in there too, kind of laying that groundwork for being able to <laughs> do it. But yeah, the way they did it, and she goes up to a you know, soldier with a crushed face, and it's yeah. just like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to see this. And then, yeah, you see this hammer or whatever it was just come right down there, and then it ends and just was like, man, that, again, like I, I can't believe we've never seen that before, but it was so good to see that, yeah. so interesting. Such a cool way to show um, a, like a, a flashback. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Geralt and Ciri arrive and they all think that Yennefer is dead. And that just broke me. Like when Geralt's walking away from Tissaia, his face, and then he obviously won't speak to Ciri about it. And I, it just broke me. Like, and you can see that Tissaia is also completely like she's done. She's broken from this situation. And the both of them being miserable is heartbreaking when Yennefer's actually out there somewhere. Yeah, he asked her if it was worth it. Mm. And she kind of hesitates because, it, I mean, it, it would be worth it. They they stopped the invasion. If it meant losing one more mage, you know, they end up losing 13. I think it's not actually yeah. not actually the 14 because uh, they're not actually dead. But, yeah, the uh, the 14th of the hill being, well, we'll get there. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> just, just to do that and, yeah, that, that like you said, the heartbreaking of Tissaia, but the not guilt, I can't think of what it is. I can't think of how to say it, but just where it's like, she's like, okay, this, this was good, but maybe not. And then Vilgefortz is there at the same time being like, ah, you know, get over it. She's not here. 
And mm-hmm. I, I did mention before that one of my favorite parts they left out was Geralt in that dreamlike stance, uh, d- dreamlike trance about going yeah. to Sodden and talking with this personification of death. And they kind of at least hit that on here where Geralt gets that, oh, she's dead and mm. we need to move on. And people are asking questions like Siri's asking. He's like, it doesn't matter. Like she's gone. I don't want to talk about it. Because at this point also, the first season ended with Siri going, who is Yennefer? Yeah. And so I guess he kind of does have to explain like to Siri, hey, why am I here? Or Siri's, why am I here? <laughs> or why do I know this name and that I don't know who mm-hmm. it is? Yeah, he's going to have to tell her eventually, but obviously it must just be too soon for him to want to talk about it when he thinks she's dead. Like, oh, it just, it's so sad to me that she, he thinks she's dead. And especially because he, in the first series, it talks about his last wish and how they'd be bound together. So he must then have, like, be so confused that, that she's died because I thought that, that the wish he made meant that they couldn't be apart or die apart. Yeah, the wish thing, again, it was purposefully and masterfully left vague as opposed yeah. to what it is because it's going to be endless people talking about oh no yen and Geralt shouldn't be together because they are only together because he made this wish to do it but it's mm. made obvious through what Geralt's well i should say from the books it's made obvious from what Geralt says because he never says what it is that that's not what it was his wish wasn't as black and white as oh i wish to be with her always whatever yeah. the wish was was to free her help her but unite them not in a direct way. And because I binge-watched these episodes, I don't know where I heard this line, so I probably shouldn't (laughs) say it, but a big thing of Destiny is it's not set in stone, and it might be you're destined to come together or, quote, be together, but it doesn't mean you're destined for certain things to play out or end up together happy or sad or whatever. Like You still have to do your own actions within this destiny does that make sense yeah no definitely okay good because i'm excited I, to see that <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that's the thing too it's you talk about destiny fate and all that and that's kind of what this is like destiny awaits they said it a million times and yeah it's not oh i wish this to happen well i guess i can't do anything because whatever happens happens like you still have to live your life in that sense mm-hmm. so yeah, other, definitely. so other fun mage involvement is the mage torture of Kyre and Tesea, or of Kyre by Tesea. And I linked in here the Gwent card for Mage Torturer. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, I had a little look before. Okay, and it's like, oh, okay, there's pin- There's like pins on that. But yeah. in this, in this Tesea, and I'll admit, it took me, I think, a little bit longer than others to understand that her fingers were going inside of his head. Oh, is that what was happening? Yeah, in the show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, did you not notice that? Well, I didn't. I could see that she was. She had her fingers in, in his head, but I didn't realize that they were going in. I thought she was just grabbing his head. Yeah. See, I thought that at first, but no, they they go like in deeper Oof. to what it is, and I know that that kind of between that and then the Verena stuff, I'm like, okay, this is kind of getting me to close one eye and watch here. This is dark. This is really dark. Yeah, and it's mentioned. Arturius mentions that some things are banned. And mm-hmm. Vilgefortz is like, yeah, she wasn't asking permission, bro. <laughs> like <laughs> I love that bit. Yeah, like she's going to do it. But I also love how they introduce things like that where certain magic is banned. Fire magic, like they talk about pyromancy, is banned. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing because it's so powerful considering what Yen did. Yeah. 
and whatever version of the Geneva Convention they have on the continent, <laughs> you can't torture like this. And yeah, mm -hmm. that was something. But also goes to Kyer. I think I might have mentioned he was the character I was most interested to see what they do with. And right. yeah, so they've got him. They got him a prisoner here. I guess this is Jamie Lannister. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the second season, he might be there. But yeah, the uh, the mage torture is something I do not want to be on the other end of. Yeah, it it was quite intense. And it was another moment where you see um, to say it is just past the point of caring about the rules anymore. She doesn't care that, um, you know, she's abandoning the uh, the rules of the chaos even though she was talking about, I think it was talking about Fringilla. She was saying how she's completely abandoned all the rules as well. Um, so I quite liked that because it's showing as well how much she cares for Yennefer, uh, finally, because she has been quite horrible to her in the past. That tough love kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where you have to be hard on a student and you're harder on your students and your pupils that you like the most. Mm -hmm. Or not necessarily, I shouldn't say that you like the most. The ones with the most potential. Yeah. And she saw Yen as having the most potential, the most powerful mage, sorceresses. I think even Geralt told Siri that or something something along those lines. And so she was obviously going to be the hardest on Yen because, well, look what Yen did at Sodden. You can see her power there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Sodden is what stopped this invasion. And they they didn't really say the war was over, did they? It was more or less kind of a standstill, wasn't it? Yeah, so they said that they've managed to stop the push north, but they don't know what other forces Nilfgaard have got. So I think they said that some kings want to chase them back down south, so it's it's definitely not over. Interesting note is, as something gets in my throat real quick, <laughs> <laughs> that in the books, this ended, this invasion, it ended the war. Like there, right. there there was a peace treaty, there was an agreement to end it. And I guess in the show it looks like they're just gonna keep up this Nilfgaardian threat. And like you said, they're the, the Northern Kings wanna chase them back. Again, just a very big difference in the strength of Nilfgaard in the show compared to the series, because or compared to the books, I should say. Because that never would have happened. Like they might have said it, but it never would have been like, Oh, let's go chase them back. They understood how fortunate they were at Sodden to stop them and to get mm -hmm. a peace agreement in the first place. So do you think in the books, Nilfgaard is much more powerful than they are in the show at the moment? Yeah, and that's, I know, a big thing they talked about with the first season and the whole armor thing. And yeah. Yeah, their armor's been upgraded, massively upgraded. It looks great. Black yeah, armor. Yeah, looks good. Yeah, black plate armor is just awesome looking in all its forms. And I think that's what they're trying to say, because I remember in the first season also at Pavetta's betrothal, Kalantha called Nilfgaard like a backwater kingdom. Yeah, that, one guy tries to yeah. um, ask for her hand in marriage, doesn't he? And then she just talks shit about them. Yeah, and that's something that has changed because I think I remember Lauren actually saying she wanted people to see Nilfgaard get more stronger in the series as it goes on. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I mean, it's they are much stronger in the second season than they are in the first season. But yet the book was they're an existential threat and... You know, right. if, if we ever get more into like the background, if you will, lore inspiration of them, a lot of it comes from Roman Empire combined with Nazi Germany, like war machine. Oh, really? They wow. mentioned well, they mentioned Blitzkrieg. Like Sapkowski mm -hmm. uses the word Blitzkrieg, or should say, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. He uses Lightning War, which is uh -huh. Blitzkrieg, what the Germans called their World War II Lightning War, literally meaning that in German. 
and oh, they, that's nice. yeah and there's a line a throwaway line i don't think they'll use in the show where uh yaskier dandelion talks about how nilfgaard brings destruction and death and all of that so the northern kingdoms look at nilfgaard coming saying they're they're going to murder everybody it's going to be genocide and of course nilfgaard's going no we're bringing civilization which is what the romans said <laughs> so no it's it's very different but i i kind of I guess it, it it ultimately it doesn't really matter like really how powerful they are they're very powerful like they took over Sintra, so yeah. I think that's ultimately what it is is they're shown they're a threat to the north and I think that's what matters the most. Yeah, totally. I think it's I I quite like that it shows them going from being something smaller and maybe not a threat and something Calanthe definitely didn't take seriously anyway. Um, I think it's I think it's nice to show it grow rather than it just always being. A massive threat i think it sort of makes a very story if it goes from something small to it, something that turns out to be a massive issue yeah definitely maybe can lead to how they got conquered it was just like a, they didn't mm. think what it wasn't oh they might be a little bigger than we thought okay so what is your next one so this was the story that uh nivellin nivellin tells siri um, with his little light box and he calls it the fall of the elder story um, I just wanted to ask you about it basically and see if there was any sort of reference to it in the books because it seems to tell the story of Ciri's heritage um, or that's what I got from it anyway and it was an elven warrior and a human mage who fell in love and had a baby um, and then they died and it was all about the elven blood um, and I just thought it was a really sweet story and I wonder did Ciri pick up on it being sort of about her or someone of her ancestors. So there's nothing really to spoil here because I don't think I know anything to spoil. Okay. <laughs> because I think you're correct in this is probably hinting on something at Siri, but there's nothing in her past, at least I can think of or remember, where it was an elven warrior, human mage kind of thing where they got together mm. and it said they both died like before the or like as the baby was born, right? Or yeah. They was in childhood or something like that. Yeah, there mm -hmm. are definitely elven warriors that come about and I won't say one. There's a big rebellion. And if you're really that interested, and you the listener or whoever, if you're really that interested, you can just look up Rebellion Witcher and you'll find out this name. Because the name of this person does get mentioned in a future episode. To be vague, you know what? I'm not even gonna be. Because it's something that could be cool literally two or three seasons down the road. So if you want to look ah. that up, you can look it up what it is but you know they, they've really done a big thing also in hitting at elven heritage and mm -hmm. not just full elf but half elves and quadroons like yennefer yennefer's yeah. a quarter elf so uh that's pretty much uh what <laughs> that was there and so yeah with this but what i love i love stories that put stories within them and yeah. the last harry potter had that story Aww. where the death with the three brothers yeah i love that bit of the I, film yeah. it is my favorite part of those and i could watch something like that and the way they did the animation was so good i could listen and watch to stuff like that all the time and game of thrones did that a lot too in the books where bran would just tell a story and you know then george gets to tell this one to two page story and just this folklore it's it's so good and this this was great as soon as he started doing that i'm like okay i love this please do this for the rest of the episode i'll be happy yeah <laughs> it just looked so nice as well on like it was visually just so pretty and it was so nice seeing siri kind of amazed by it because i don't know like 
another part that I loved, which is not re not related, but you know when um, Nivellen is like summoning all the food in the bath and stuff. Yeah. I just loved seeing Ciri's face light up at all of that because she's like she's still a child, and it would just be amazing to her. And I think it's just it's lovely to see her not so uh, depressed all the time. I guess. Very Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Oh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. bell, and she gets this dress, which, again, a grain of truth is very much to Beauty of the Beast. But yeah. at least with this, they actually have a princess there. <laughs> they, they can kind of <laughs> actually directly relate it. But another thing, too, and I'm going to say this probably every episode, so y'all get used to it. Freya <laughs> Allen, Siri, is so much, has so much more to do, and she actually yeah. gets to act. And, oh, my God, like, it's... She gets to do things now because the first season she's just running and she's not really doing anything. She gets to ask questions and she's always worried. But even yeah. with this, she actually gets to really act into it. And just like everybody else, her like just like everybody else, her game steps up so much. And it was just oh, totally. it was great to see. Even in just in this first episode, like the amount of different um, versions of her that we see, like we see her having a bit of a cheeky relationship with Geralt and you know through Nivellen and then you see her sort of not speaking back to Geralt but going against what he tells her to do and you see so many different sides of her I think yeah like I say it's just class to see her do so much more with Ciri. Yeah and so you also have on here Geralt and Ciri's relationships we can just segue right into that what stood out to you? It was just it was so nice to me to see them because like the whole first series series is all about you know them finding each other but it ends right as they find each other so you don't really get to see much of them as like in a relationship of of what it is um so i just loved seeing gerald open up and to me like it was nice seeing him immediately take ownership of the situation and i thought he was so wise and was offering her so much advice um and then there was moments where i was not sure if Siri was completely trusting of Geralt yet, which I mean, she wouldn't be yeah. completely trusting because she's been through so much. But then there was moments as well where Verena was putting thoughts into Siri's head of, you know, he's going to come for you because you're different as well. And I just think it'll be interesting to see how she combats that and whether that comes back to haunt her a little bit if she thinks Geralt kills monsters and is she a monster because she's different and she's got these powers she doesn't know how to control? I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't talk about the book difference in that because obviously Siri's not there. But yeah, yeah. once Verena dies, she her decapitated head looks at Siri <laughs> and says, he'll come for you, something along those lines. Yeah. And again, because I can tell you what happens in the books, but because I don't know what the hell they're going to do with the show – I don't know. Like, maybe there might be some time where that does happen. And, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of stuff in the first season. Oh, and I should say this, too. You said the first series. And to a lot of Americans out there who might not know, in England, <laughs> seasons, as they are in the U.S., are called series, right? Oh, is that do you yeah. guys not say series? No, that's why I said the first season. Whenever I say the first oh. season, that's the see this this show is the series. The series is yes. the, the Witcher, and then there's seasons. So okay. So what do y'all call? Is it not series? Is it just a show? Well, I go I I go between the word series and season. Okay. I'm stumped that you don't use the word series. No. I was I I like um fumbled my words when I said that because I thought I was saying the word Siri like her name. Yeah. And that's what I got confused on, but 
series and seasons. I'll try and say seasons. Well, no, we'll figure it out. Like I said, I just gave the disclaimer. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. But what I don't remember is where, what I was talking about. <laughs> I don't remember exactly. Verena's head got cut off. Uh, yeah. Series of oh, that's what I was going to say. So a big thing also about maybe not trusting Geralt or whatnot is at this point, Siri has no agency. She's mm -hmm. with somebody that her voices and her visions have said to be with, who says it's their destiny. It's this big, scary guy. He's protecting her, no doubt. But Geralt at this point isn't really loving. And yeah. it's not this, it's protective, but this isn't what you would think of a human adopted daughter, per se, protective relationship would be. Like, his thing is very much a gruff physical protection. And you're right, he's starting to lay the groundwork a little bit on there for advice. But at the same time, she might not take advice from somebody who just keeps telling her what to do and don't yeah. worry about certain things and I can't tell you certain things. And so, yeah, that little that little bit of doubt in there is good. And at the end of the episode, she's like, I'm afraid I can just blow up and do all this and I might hurt somebody. And so mm -hmm. she kind of lowers her guard down there a little bit. And, yeah, to see what could become of that. It's the crux of the show are these two. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so excited to see how it develops. And you obviously already know, so I will see tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think the last thing we have on here to discuss, I have down is Yen and Frangilla's super happy fun travels. <laughs> and again, this is something completely show created as Frangilla is, I, am, I, am I out of line here to say that maybe Frangilla is the biggest character outside of the main three actually yeah i think she could be i, I think it would be between for me it'd be between her and Tissaia. yeah i guess to say it did come back a lot to say it did come back a lot here that's true but it's just frangilla is this kind of maybe not face of no i guess she's the face of Nilfgaard right now yeah because yeah. she's she's working her or kyer would be it but kyer obviously is a little bit more even though i guess he is a general though so maybe he's a little bit more under the radar but yen and frangilla are together and Yen is a captive of Frangilla and these Nilfgaardians. She has lost the Battle of Sodden, Frangilla that is, and she's going to use Yen as kind of a sacrificial lamb or peace offering, if you will, in her mea culpa. And we get a lot of background information, a good banter in there about how they're both really trying to disarm each other, where Yen will say something and Frangilla will be like, oh man, she might be right, but then she'll say something back to Yen, and then Yen will be like, oh, okay, Maybe so. I don't know. This whole dynamic, though, I think was really good. I really enjoyed it. Same. I just loved Yennefer's sass here. Like, she gives zero fucks. I love when she's like, conjure me up some decent food before we get to shit guard. Like, she just doesn't care. And just some of the quips that she gives to Fringilla, I love. I think, it, well, episode two, you see a bit more. But the whole really dynamic between them is really interesting. I audibly like laughed and chuckled out loud at shit guard. It caught me off. Shit guard. It caught me off guard. <laughs> Before we get to shit guard, I'm like that is so childish. <laughs> like in this moment, it's you're just, just prison. So yeah, yeah. It's just so petty, but just I guess it would get under Fringilla and the white oh, flame totally. and Emir and all this stuff gets in there. But yeah, so. Mm -hmm. That was really good, and it ended with these very cool attack. Yeah. By some people in the forest where these spears are on ropes and just impaling these people back and good little cliffhanger and uh, yeah, what a what a solid ending. Very good ending. I had no idea at the time 
who that was going to be or like what sort of creature it was going to be. Um, so I was like desperate to watch episode two, but this was at like two a.m. on Monday night whenever we were watching it on the um on that event. So uh, I couldn't watch any more, but it was just like so exciting to me. Uh, th that's right. You got to see the virtual premiere, and yeah, it was pre premiere premiered at seven p.m. Eastern time, which was you said two a.m. or one a one a.m. your time. Well, yeah, so it started, the actual event started at midnight for me. Okay. But it was one of those things where I was sat waiting at my computer at like 11.59. Um, and then the, the stream started at 12. And then it, it started and it had a 30-minute countdown. So I was like, fuck's sake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I went, went away and made it like had another cup of tea and tried to keep myself away for another half hour. And then the episode probably started at about 12.45 and went on for about an hour and then there was the Q&A with Henry Cavill afterwards. Anything interesting from that Q&A? Um, it was it was nice interview. It was a good. Um, it was the same guy. I don't know his name. It was the same guy from WitcherCon who interviewed Henry. Um, and they seemed to have quite a good relationship. Um, I think Henry posted a, a photo of him on uh, on his Instagram and just like praised him for being a really good interviewer. Um, there was lots of questions. I can't remember them now, to be honest. I was so wired <laughs> when I was watching. I was just like on coffee and on a weird sleep schedule to try and stay awake. But it was a nice interview. Yeah, I think he's that must be his preferred interviewer. Yeah, do you think it is? Yeah, because yeah, I saw a Instagram or something he put on there, whatever the guy's name was. And it was just like, hey, it's best. I don't know if he said best in the business or best at yeah. it or something along those lines. But yeah, that might be the one where it's like, hey, we need to do a Q&A, and he's like, okay, get this guy. Okay, well, I think that's going to do it. So any final thoughts about this episode? I just thought overall it was brilliant, like such a good start to the series. Everybody, whenever I was watching that stream, there was like a, a live chat. Everybody was going wild for it. Um, I like standout to me was the Verena character. Um, I thought she was amazing. And yeah, I'm so excited to watch the rest of the series. My only problem that I had when I first watched this when it ended was I thought mm -hmm. maybe it might have raised the bar too high because <laughs> it was yeah. so good. <laughs> and it makes sense now why they did all these virtual premieres and they got so many people to see it because they knew they had a winner. And they yeah, knew they people did. would see it and tell people, like, Dude, this is incredible. And like I said, there were things in that first season I was pretty harsh on. And so many of the things I wanted to see, the problems that I had were just completely alleviated by this episode. And it was kind of a one-off. They did a little bit. They advanced some stories. But for the most part, Geralt and Ciri are on the road when it starts, and they're on the road when it ends. So their mm -hmm. story, as far as their journey, I should say, does not get advanced. Obviously, their characterization does a lot, which is most important. You know, it's one of those, when you get to see something early, it can kind of cloud it, and you can overhype it at times. But this is something that, no, as soon as I was watching, and as soon as it ended, I was like, okay, this, this is an a perfect start. I don't think it could have been any better start to the season. Oh, I agree. And as soon as I finished watching it, I was just like, I need to tell everyone. Yeah. And I was like, I need somebody to speak to about this because it was just perfect. Like, it was such a good opening episode. With the holidays coming up, our schedule is going to be a little bit off. And I know we will continue The Witcher 3 probably in January once we get yeah. through with this season and once kind of the holidays die down. We're, this is going to be released today on a Friday, but whenever we can record an episode, uh, we'll probably just throw it out there because, you know, everyone's itching for some Witcher content, especially for season two. So just look for your feed and uh, whenever it comes out, it comes out. Uh, but yeah, Lucy, where can we find you? 
I will be on Twitter and Twitch mainly uh, at Lucy J Robin, and then we'll pop my Discord link in the show notes as well. There you go. And you can find us at Witcher Podcast on Twitter. Again, please tweet out. Uh, and again, after tomorrow, <laughs> once Lindsay, uh, Lindsay, oh shit, well, that's a big <laughs> Freudian slip there, uh, that some people might have no idea. <laughs> Uh, once Lucy, over it. yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a funny one. Uh, once Lucy finishes all them, feel free to DM us if you will. You know anything from the other episodes. Uh, try not to maybe tweet out openly. You know spoilers like today or something like that from like episodes six, seven, eight or something like that. People might not mm-hmm. have seen it yet. Uh, but find us there, Witcher Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Foxbride Four on Twitter. And uh, yeah, until we get to next time to episode two, care more in. We'll uh, see you a little bit off the path, but still on the path.